excited about that today? I mean, I dressed up for y'all, okay? I mean, I got loafers on today. So you better get excited about the resurrection of Jesus. Um, man, how about the love feast? That was great, right? I, uh, I love all of the sugar and the carbs and uh, whatnot together. What a great celebration. Uh, also, to echo Jordan's words, Friday night in our Stations of the Cross was phenomenal. So phenomenal. And Vania and her whole team, she has a whole team of people who helped orchestrate that. And when Anderson mentioned what he did regarding our ability to grieve on Friday in some ways dictates our ability to celebrate on Sunday morning, I could not resonate with that anymore. That is so, so true. Even driving here this morning, I, I kept going back to Friday. And the sun shining this morning and recognizing that what we experienced Friday is no more. If you were here, you know the power of that time. To see the garment on display in the community room that will remain through the entire Easter season is a reminder of what Christ did and accomplished on the cross on behalf of us, on behalf of you and I. But I'm so grateful that the story did not end Friday night. That though Jesus on the cross said, it is finished, he did not say, I am done. His work was completed, but he was not finished. And I love that on the very first day of the week, we see the birth of a new creation narrative. New life exploding out of the ground. And the origin of what is ultimately to come. If you're new today, welcome. I'm glad that you are here and I'm glad that you are with us. But let me also apologize to you. Because today is going to be a little bit different than a traditional Emmaus gathering. The Holy Spirit, this past Tuesday, began working in me in a way that he never has for Easter ever before. And I found myself questioning whether or not to go the traditional route and provide a traditional teaching around the Eastern narrative, sing some songs and celebrate and that be it. We go home and go about our merry way. But God started doing something inside of me uniquely something different. 
something I think that he wants for us. But to be honest today, friends and family, I think it's something that he wants for me personally. So if we can, let us be open to what the Spirit has to say today. And I recognize some of you have come in today with a yeah, but mentality. Quite honestly, the very idea of resurrection and Jesus is disturbing, is triggering, is seemingly falsified in your mind. But what I'm inviting you to is to be open today in your story and in your experience to what God might have in store. Bring your yeah, but today. Mark chapter 16. Let's go there together. And I simply want to read a portion of the Easter narrative to you. I found myself in this portion of the Gospels all week long. Mark chapter 16, verses 1 through 8. Hear the word of the Lord this morning. Saturday evening, when the Sabbath ended, Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James, and Salome went out and purchased burial spices so they could anoint Jesus' body. Very early on Sunday morning, just at sunrise, they went to the tomb. On the way, they were asking each other, who will roll the stone away for us to be able to enter into the tomb? Who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance to the tomb? But as they arrived, they looked up and saw that the stone, which was very large, had already been rolled aside. When they entered the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in a white robe sitting on the right side. The women were shocked. I think we all would be as well. But the angel said, don't be alarmed. (laughs) Okay, angel, no big deal. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified, but he ain't here. That brother has risen from the dead. Look, this is where they laid his body. Now go and tell his... Y'all didn't know the angel talked like that, did you? He ain't here. He ain't here. He is risen. Now go and tell his disciples, including Peter, that Jesus is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there just as he told you before he died. This is the word of the Lord. A little insight into my weekly preparation for teaching, which I love to do. Those of you who are part of our community, you know I love teaching. You know I love to teach for a long period of time, occasionally. Um, 
my preparation usually begins sometime in the afternoon on Wednesday. But as I said, God, through His Spirit, began prompting me Tuesday afternoon with some questions and some thoughts. And to let you into my experience this week, I found myself laying on my back on this stage, weeping and in tears regarding how the Spirit was prompting me. I began to sense a very simple phrase that came to my mind over and over and over again. And it was this. The story speaks for itself. The story of the resurrection speaks for itself. And I began to sense that you, we, and I do not need some other well done, thoughtful, extrapolated expose on the resurrection story. And as I pondered these thoughts and wrestled with some people through the week, I began to think to myself, and it became more and more clear, that insight means absolutely nothing if there isn't encounter. Providing you with fresh insight and new thoughts and new commentary means absolutely nothing for you if you do not encounter an empty tomb today. And for some of us and for some pastors, the temptation is to make Sunday, specifically Easter Sunday, the greatest teaching or message they've ever given before. But I'm here to tell you today, the story speaks for itself. And insight means nothing unless we encounter. I actually encourage you today to take zero notes. None. I simply want you to ponder the story. The entire foundation of Christianity globally, across the world, by the way, multi-ethnic, multicultural, is based on an event. It is based on a story, the resurrection of Jesus of Nazareth, a Palestinian Jew in the middle of history who claimed to be God and the Messiah, who taught a new way of living, an ethic who made proclamations, who healed the sick, who even raised the dead. But it is based on a single moment and hinges on the resurrection. Now here's the beauty of this. Though today will be different, the next few weeks will not be. Easter, by the way, if you did not grow up in a liturgical tradition, you might think Easter is just today. But Easter, in fact, is a season that we enter into. It's 50 days that we get to celebrate. And praise God, because we had 40 days of Lent. 
and no one likes Lent. If you like Lent, I really want to talk to you. Let's get to Easter, right? Our whole series over the next few weeks will be centered around Easter because it's the Easter season. And next week, um, Cameron Horner and I are actually going to have a dialogue about the theology of the resurrection and why resurrection matters. But that's next week. Today, I want to sit in the story of the resurrection. And my greatest desire all week long has not been to stimulate your mind with thoughtful reflection or explanation. I don't feel the need for you today, if you are a seeker or if you are a doubter or a cynic, I don't feel the need to convince you today. Because at the deepest part of your being, even if it is true, you have to ask, do you want it to be true? I love to explain, I love to reflect, I love to read and learn and share. But I do not feel the need this Sunday to quote Dallas Willard or to provide the rugged historical evidence of the resurrection from N.T. Wright or from Richard Baucom or to debate and think through various atonement theories and the mechanism for how Jesus actually saved us on the cross, whether it's through substitutionary atonement or through a recapitulation or through Christus Victor or through moral influence. I don't need to debate with you today. I don't need to provide some sort of new extrapolation. I simply want you to encounter a resurrected Jesus in an empty tomb. I don't want your mind just to be gripped today. I want your heart to be captivated by the reality of an event that took place in the center of history. And if it was true, do you want it to be true? If Jesus is who he says he is, do you want him or not? question I want to ask you is the same question that Jesus asked Mary in the garden. Who are you seeking? That's the only question I'm asking today. Who is it that you are seeking? And so over the next just couple of minutes, I just want to do a couple of things for us. The first thing I feel is necessary on Easter Sunday and every Sunday is to proclaim the simple gospel. The simple gospel. Where were you September 11th, 2001? Do you remember where you were? Some of you weren't even born yet. (laughs) But most of us probably know where we were September 11th, 2001. When there was an announcement that changed history in our nation and really across the whole geopolitical landscape. The Twin Towers in New York City were flown into and knocked down, followed by other terrorist attacks. How about June 29th, 2007? It was on that day that Steve Jobs and Apple announced the release of the iPhone moving us officially into what sociologists now call the digital age. We've all been impacted by that moment. Or how about March 12, 2020? 
it was announced that parts of the U.S. were officially going on lockdown due to a foreign accelerating virus known as COVID-19. These were all announcements that forced our hand to respond in some sort of way. These were events in history that has impacted how we live now in 2023. So here is the gospel, friends. The gospel of Jesus Christ is the announcement that Jesus of Nazareth in the year 33 AD, launched his kingdom project and became king of the cosmos through his life, death, burial, and resurrection. He defeated death, sin, and the grave. He didn't eliminate it. He defeated it altogether. And by doing so, is bringing forth redemption, renewal, and restoration to all of the created world. And through this event... Salvation, healing, and wholeness has been extended to all who repent and believe. That is the gospel of Jesus Christ. He is Lord. He is King. And He is alive. And through His death, burial, and resurrection, we have been extended salvation from the brokenness of our own human heart and proclivities and the injustice of our world. He is renewing all things. That is the proclamation today. He is above all rulers and authorities and powers and governments. He is in control of all things. And he is dynamically moving by way of his spirit to redeem and to bring healing and to bring wholeness and to bring peace in this world. Ultimately, to where we can say that his kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. So here's my final thought for our response this morning because I need this response myself. In the Easter story this past week, I got hung up on two things and that was it. Mary Magdalene was number one and the story of Mary Magdalene, a woman that was tormented by demonic spirits Jesus cast out demons from her. She became a devoted follower, found herself at the cross, and then finds herself going to the tomb on Easter Sunday morning. But she's bringing something with her. She's bringing spices to the tomb. And then I got struck also that another character in the story, Nicodemus, Jesus visited at night also brought spices to the tomb. And I kept going back to this situation we find ourselves in where these individuals are bringing spices to the tomb on Sunday morning. Now, if you know me, you know that I have a thing for smells. I have a thing for fragrances. I have a thing for perfumes. I don't care if it's a Woodwick candle or if it's an essential oil diffuser or if it's Ariana Grande's cloud perfume that my wife now wears and I say, thank you, Lord. (laughs) I don't have a problem letting you know you smell good. Male, female, I let you know. I have a thing for fragrances and for smells and perfumes. 
scent is rather significant, just as sight and sound is. Friday night, we were able to see and to hear. But what about smell? It seems that scent played a key role in the resurrection narrative. I can name places or events now that in your mind have certain scents that you could probably smell somehow in your brain that have been ingrained and will prompt certain feelings for you. Certain smells have been ingrained in you. The movie theater. You know how a movie theater smells? We all do, right? How about a gym? Sweaty feet. That's the smell that comes into my mind. I don't know why. Sweaty feet. It's in my mind. Uh, Or a basketball gym. Or a baseball field, especially this time of year. Or how about a pool? We can smell chlorine even now. Old churches have a smell. Even when you try to eliminate the smell. Or grandma's house. Good smell. It's like 80 degrees and smells like must. (laughs) These smells can trigger certain feelings for us. And here's the deal, family. Here's where I was struck this week. The resurrection of Jesus had a certain smell to it. In fact, the Greek word for spice is the word aroma. The word aroma. Mary Magdalene and the women brought quite literally aroma to the tomb. Nicodemus brought, according to John 19, 100 pounds of myrrh and aloe or sandalwood spices, which I love, a sandalwood candle. Yes, Lord. To pour on the linens that wrapped Jesus' body just a few days prior. There were two things about this for me. As I was just wrestling with the story, I didn't want to go super in-depth. I was just captivated by this very simple detail. In Mary's despair, she brought devotion. In Mary's hopelessness, she brought honor. In Mary's chaos, she chose to go to the tomb. In her, yeah, but... She gets up early Sunday morning expecting the tomb to not be empty, but for a stone to be rolled across the entryway. And then the amount that Nicodemus brought was, some scholars believe to be five times the amount used in traditional Jewish burials. Nine gallons of oil, fragrance, spice, and perfume. Potentially worth today upwards of $200,000. This was 100 times more than what Mary of Bethany poured on Jesus' head in John chapter 12 when she poured perfume over him, and the text said it filled the entire home 100 times the amount. The amount that Nicodemus brought to the tomb, expecting a dead corpse and seeing Jesus' body that evening prior to the resurrection, was only equivalent to that of a king. 
no other reason why he's bringing a hundred pounds of the body. It was fit for a king. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 2, Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. Because sacrifice has a smell to it, a scent. Resurrection also has a scent and a smell. And here's where my mind was blown, is that these two individuals went to anoint a dead body with fragrance just to eliminate the stench of a decomposed dead body. For no other reason but that, as an act of honor. Yet, because of Christ's sacrifice and his resurrection, we come alive and are now anointed. Two individuals go and anoint the body, the dead body of Christ. And yet because of Christ's sacrifice and resurrection, we now can come alive and are anointed. An anointed people. 1 John chapter 2, verse 20 says, But you have an anointing from the Holy One. Each and every one of you today, when you trust and believe, when you repent and believe, you are an anointed. You are anointed because of the sacrifice of God on the cross that was a pleasing aroma, a fragrance. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 15 says, Our lives are a Christ-like fragrance rising up to God. So here is all I want today. I simply want your heart, the executive center of your person, that which directs how you live and the story that you live out, to be captivated by the mystery of an empty tomb. That despite the improbability, I want you today to at least check out the empty tomb. Just like those that go there on Sunday morning, they enter into this tomb and they check things out. Even with the improbability, I want you to ponder the possibility of an empty tomb. Even in your brokenness today, in your hurt, in your pain, in your sorrow, I want you to be open to the possibility of an empty tomb. I want you to recognize that this Easter, all Jesus is doing is all he did with Mary that morning, as I said at the beginning. He's calling your name. And he's asking, who is it that you seek? A resurrected Jesus is calling your name and asking a very simple question. He's not commanding anything of you. He's not demanding anything of you today. 
He's just curious. Who is it that you're actually seeking? Who is it that you actually want? Because I felt all week like Jesus was looking at me saying, Spencer, who are you seeking? I don't need to convince you today. I'm believing the Holy Spirit is already prompting you. And he's drawing you and he's wooing you with his love. Because guess what? Though these two pour out a fragrant offering to Jesus as a sacrifice of honor, Jesus' sacrifice is fragrance of love poured out that draws us to him. And so as you wrestle with that today, I am actually going to invite each one of you. Thank you.